the lack of creativity and the the focus around um, the solution as a whole, the long term, not the short term, is just basically them pointing at the person that's the nearest to them. Welcome to our podcast series, Resistance in Color. We explore resistance as the way that we fight the challenges, structures that negatively affect spheres of our mental, social and physical health. We hear from a host of BIPOC voices of community members featuring activists, healers, organizers, students. We will engage in how we resist, find solidarity, and gain insight on how to cope within our own bodies. The series features stories of incredible resilience focused on the healing of both individuals and communities as an active form of resistance. This podcast series has been made possible by the Fund for Safe Communities grant of the Minneapolis Foundation, Tanami, Minnesota's Multicultural Youth Advisory Board. Welcome and thank you for listening. Welcome to this week's episode of Resistance and Color. My name is Perry, and I'm very excited to welcome our guest today, Christine Carino. Christine is a founder and the head uh, of learning and training at Conscious Thrive, which is a consulting firm with a mission to bring back the human at the center of corporate businesses. Christine has designed and facilitated workshops both within the U.S. and internationally, and her coaching practice is centered uh, in helping underrepresented leaders and executives reach their next level of success through healing and authenticity so they can create impact on their own terms and prior to doing this consulting work she spent some time um, in recruitment and business development um, working with organizations in different industries she is also a queer non-binary immigrant of Filipino heritage and believes that for us to create a thriving loving and inclusive world we must start the work within to heal, love, and include all parts of who we are creates the ripple of change we want to see in our family, in our relationships, in our communities, and in our society. So thank you, Christine, for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And it's such an honor to be with you and to have this conversation. I'm really excited. Yay. Um, one of the main things, I think, listeners, you probably know what my first question is. One of the main things we like to kind of find out from our guests is, what does it sound like when we say resistance and color? What does that sound like and, and mean for you personally? Yeah. Mm. Well, what it means to me is having the courage as a as a person of color it's having the courage mm. and the safety within to step out of the lines mm. and it has to be holistic so that looks like you know breaking trauma patterns behavior and systems um, that have put us and kept us in the marginalized box mm. category mm breaking out of those kind of like even the, like the status quo quote unquote mm-hmm. mm. people have defined resistance in um in, in different ways this even this just this past year and and sometimes and i and we had this conversation earlier and i just wanted you to bring it back to the listeners so that they can have it too is we talked about how resistance is a lot can look a lot like you know the active side and a lot of the times that's what people think when they hear resistance but you mentioned something the last time you said that peace is resistance could you yes. share a little bit with our listeners what where you are coming from with that definition yes 
Absolutely, absolutely. Um, peace is 100% resistance. You know, within our society, they've thought of and framed peace as non, um, non-resistance or mm-hmm. non-violence. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by peace being resistance is no one is taking you out of the space of wholeness. Hmm. And it's not dependent on anyone or anything because that's just your power within. Hmm. And, you know, that's really what resistance is. It's like you're reclaiming your power. Yeah. Um, as a marginalized group, as a marginalized individual, we have been used to not feel empowered Mm. in all the contexts or the spaces that we've occupied yeah so having that peace within you is really telling them f you (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying (laughs) it's like okay you've done all these things but actually it doesn't matter i'm just going to uh and i think about my parents um Mm -hmm. um and how you know when you're arguing or when you're quarreling with someone and you're so agitated and you're and you're just you're so hype and you're you're saying all these points and you're shouting and you're really loud and the other person is just really quiet. First of all, it makes you feel really silly for being the one yelling and shouting, but it also in some ways also um, brings brings um, brings you down. So they're also in a way they're like I'm I'm going to choose peace. I'm going to let you. F- shout and yell and when you're finished you come down and we can have the squad we can engage when you're finished doing all the all the dramatics you can come down and we can engage on this level so that's what i think about too when you say mm-hmm. peace yeah, that is so powerful <laughs> and so so good how you say said that <laughs> because it's like it's situational right yeah and, and that's 100 percent something like a space in which you can explore this further yeah. You being the source, that's really what it is. Hmm. Oh. You're detached from the power structure, yes. right? Because that's parent-child yeah. um, uh, power dynamic. Mm-hmm. So you are not allowing that power to overpower you. Right. As you choosing to be centered and grounded and, you know, emotionally... Um, emotionally grounded basically yeah. that's, yeah. that's it and, and then you're the one sourcing that so that person will also get to that level of peace with you yeah instead of the other way around mm. ah, that's powerful <laughs> that's growth that emotion that's emotional intelligence for you so great job <laughs> <laughs> but then i also hear the voice um at the back of my head of <clears throat> Um, many people of color will say, well, society has been constantly throwing things at, at us, constantly throwing things at, you know, to agitate, to annoy, to anger, to instigate. And sometimes, mm-hmm. and, and choosing and choosing peace as, as, the, as, the, as the weapon or choosing peace as the way of resistance can feel like doing nothing. How would you encourage people to think on, the, on another way with that? Can you say that again? I'm sorry. 
no, 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 that's fine. When it sounds like peace as resistance, it feels like it's not doing enough. It feels like you're... It feels like it's it's letting the other person win. It almost feels ah. like if we're if we're choosing peace, we are choosing the peaceful route. We're not working hard enough. We're letting the other person have the greater power. We're letting the other person be louder because sometimes peace is very also very quiet. It's also just very mm-hmm. calm. Mm-hmm. So how how would you say to someone who's who's like that 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 that's not that won't do it. Well, the thing is about, about that, you have, it's situational every single time, mm. you know, in that moment, is this worth my energy to mm. even explain? If the person is committed, right, if the person is committed to be, to be on the other end of the conversation, yeah, why would I spend my energy mm. being in that space? Mm. That's the boundary that I need to create for myself. Right. And I am not going to waste that I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste my effort, my intelligence, my, you know, my emotions, my energy. Yes. You know, choose, really allow yourself to see and have the clarity. Is this person committed to being that? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, then I just need to step away. (laughs) You know, they can think that they won, but actually I did. Yeah. Because I didn't give you a part of of me. <laughs> I didn't right? give you what you wanted to see from me, yes. And there's another one, too, about the, 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 the if the person is not committed and you want to engage, yes. right, with that person and allow them to process what needs to be processed, mm-hmm. It's it's okay for you to have the emotions of anger, frustration, overwhelm. All that is okay mm-hmm. while you're in conversation with that person. But the thing is, and what is again, yeah, the the where your eye should be is like productive and results. Yes, yes, yes. It has to be what is it that we're trying to achieve in this conversation? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a process. Like for me growing up, I've been silenced. So my way mm-hmm. and how I've perceived um, being in conversation with people mm-hmm. when I'm trying to express myself is always, was always screaming. Right? Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the, the reaction yeah. to my trauma. Yeah. But, and and that would come out sometimes for me still. Mm. But finding ways in which, you know, practicing and embedding who am I, who am I committed to, what am I committed to as a human being? Yes. That it doesn't matter how people show up in my space, this is how I'm going to show up. Mm. you will feel loved you will feel connected you will feel safe in my space that's what I'm committed to so because I know what my commitments are as a person and and that's just 100% my responsibility Mm -hmm. then I'm going to make sure that it's not going to be a screaming battle with the other person it's true you know and whenever I get to that level, 
I have the awareness to pull myself back, mm-hmm. to take a breath, take a beat, yeah, before I even respond, yeah. So that's work. <laughs> that is work. <laughs> that's the process, right? That's the process. But th- there's a lot there. But you really have to know your um, behavioral response with certain emotions. Yeah, and. Um, it's a self, it's a continuous self inquiry, but also knowing who you are and mm. your commitments in that, in that moment in conversations with people, it would really allow you the, the clarity that you need that informs you of who you get to be yeah. in that moment. Yeah. And I really like, um, how, how you also talked about knowing I think that that knowledge of knowing yourself and knowing hmm, this is something I'm not willing to spend my energy on, as as you had said earlier, and be like, mm, it's not going to be productive because mm-hmm. I might end up yelling or I'm, I'm, I'm actually not feeling like this is what I want to engage in right now. And that's okay. That's actually, I think, it's that's a wise decision. Okay. <laughs> it's oftentimes overlooked. Exactly. Please speak to the reality of. I'm actually really interested and curious about what your work has been like. Um, I guess throughout all the years, but in this past year specifically, um, the reality of doing the work of coaching um, um, underrepresented um, people in underrepresented spaces as a queer person of color. You know, some of the conversations that I have often with my friends and, and with other people of color as well. They're like. We're already so few, especially if you, if you think about the ratios in, in a predominantly white um, institution or white organization. But then as the, as, as, the, as, a, as a token diverse people, then you're the one tasked to do the work of guiding the conversations of educate from this point. And I, and I think about... I think about that and, and it's very exhausting to not want to be the one to do the work, to not want to be the one to doing the educating. But this is a burden that has fallen a lot of people of color in the workplaces this past year um, and has become a trending conversation that many people can really get tired by. Share with me some of your thoughts on the process and the reality of your work as as a person in with marginalized identities doing this work how has that been like for you yeah i i think for me it is with i love the work (laughs) don't get me wrong i do love it i love um making that being in contribution in that way so i can really see the the healing process and journey mm-hmm. of one person especially of like the underrepresented group and the reality of it is not really just providing the tools okay to um the person it's it's not just telling them how you know there's a lot of deeper work that i do with them to re- reconnect them with who they really are, their their authentic selves, hmm. the self that is not um, influenced or bound yeah. by the the models of of our family or the 
culture traditions of society that don't represent it. I'm non-binary. I'm an immigrant. I'm a lot of things, right? <laughs> yes. And I'm, I'm, I'm also Filipino heritage. So the, the, the culture that honestly has um, locked me and like really made me feel that I'm not enough. Yeah. You know, it's like, don't work for me anymore. Mm. And I had to release myself from that. And I have, I, and I had to really see the who. Because I know the how. Yeah. Like, we know the how, right? We've survived our lives. <laughs> We've gotten from a place where we're working, right? We're earning money yes. or whatever that is or you have graduated um school from school and yeah. all that so we know some of the how yeah. and that's the easy that's the easier part of it mm. but the who is so much more mm. important and essential that's like the work <laughs> that's the way so they were yeah that's really the work so the reality of it is it's 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 going deeper and deeper into the whole process and making sure that you're aligning with who you want to be. And that's what I, how I, I define consciousness really. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with, with our organization, how I define it is like a complete, complete keyword, complete awareness of your state of being mm-hmm. and knowing full well that you are always a choice. The complete awareness means you know who you were, who you know who you are, mm-hmm. and who you know who you want to be. You know where you've been. Yeah. You know where you are today, and you know where you're going. Right. That's a complete awareness of who, of the who. Yes. So it's that process that we, that, that I do with my clients that... Mm-hmm get them that clarity because clarity is kindness (laughs) get them the clarity of of of, um the person that's going to show up every single day in their relationships personally and at work in their business and and all are in in their the community in all areas so yeah um i i approach it holistically because okay. we can never separate the professional from the personal. It's yeah. always personal. Yeah. Always. Um, and, you know, the the thing about being um, the person to have fallen um, the work on, and, and it, it, it is really exhausting, yes, right? To be, to be responsible for... Um, not only your own self-liberation, yeah, but also other people's. Mm-hmm. That, and I really wanted to say this to everyone, it's not so exhausting when it's aligned with who you are. Because you show up as that. Mm. Instead of it being... The, the 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 I have to instead of it being that I have to do this yeah but making it so it's like well I am this 
This is true. And, right? It, and, and it's so much more, there's so much more ease and grace around the work because now it's not a responsibility or uh, obligation. I'm sorry. Mm. It's, not, it's no longer an obligation, but it is now a responsibility because it's part of all you are. I think some of the exhaustion might also come with the fact that um, in a lot of the spaces where people of color are called to be in suggestion of, of things or to be talking about um, improvements that need to be done or things like this, um, or what inclusion could look like, it's because yeah. <laughs> it's because a lot of the times it feels like the organizations are doing performative work. So it feels Absolutely. it feels exhausting to me to to think about the, yes this is this is who I am but I'm telling you to do these things and I and history has shown that you're not going to do them and so why am I still it almost feels like the other thing why am I still using my energy to tell you these things if you if nothing mm-hmm. is going to if it's just an act you're just trying to check boxes and say okay so we had the training so we had we had one more person of color. So now we have you see it it feels performative. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard I guess to feel. And that's the thing is that like I think the lack of presence of people of color in corporate in the limited sphere sphere. Yeah. Or a circle of the majority of white executives mm. or leaders um have contributed to this really. <laughs> You know, I think they have, sure. Yeah. I think they have good intentions, mm-hmm. but I think they're lazy. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Let's say what it is, right? Say more. So, the lack of creativity and the, the focus around um, the solution as a whole, the long term, not the short term, yeah, is just basically them pointing at the person that's the nearest to them. Mm. Like, yeah, we can we can you know give this work to this person because they're a person of color yes and that's being lazy <laughs> yes it right? is right yes it is it's the easy way out that's why it's the checking the box mm-hmm. it's easy to check the box when you have pointed to someone <laughs> to do it <laughs> and you handed it off to that person instead of really getting clear but, you know, this is my responsibility as a leader and executive of this company. Yeah. Let me make sure that the leaders that I'm going to work with and mm-hmm. partner with, yes. not giving this to, right? It's yes. Two different things. We're working together on this. <laughs> exactly. Yes. The partnership, the collaboration, it's still that. It's not just handing it off Mm. but making sure that you're creating it uh you're creating it uh um, from a space of um uh togetherness and with clarity too yeah you know it's like i'm clear that this is where i want my um where I want my organization to be. Yeah. This kind of goes into a, a new question, but borrows a lot from what we've just been talking about. Um, in this past year, at least, there has been an upsurge in words like, you know, inclusion, diversity, empathy, 
um, accessibility, <laughs> all these, mm-hmm. all these nice words that have um, are talking about some of the some of the DIY work that uh, that you've been mentioning, or that I guess you had experience and professional experience doing for a long period of time. Um, but it feels like it's been trending in this past year. And the the reality of systemic racism that is showing up in public health reports or that is showing up as acts of hate that we see on the streets or as social injustice, that's making people more conscious um, or has pointed to organizations and made them more conscious about how their spaces look like, how their spaces look like to their employees or how their spaces look like to other people who might be mm-hmm. um, who might be people of color who are choosing to engage with this group. I'm curious in your insight on what this work has looked like um, before and, and with what this past year has changed in, in the work, other than I guess a lot of organizations are riding the trend and riding the wave of, okay, now we're going to do inclusion work. But what has it? What do you feel like this year has changed? Has it um, in in instigating or in mitigating certain things about inclusion? Mm-hmm. I think before you know, it's like I'm, I'm, I was in talent acquisition, and I wasn't even aware that I was all, already doing diversity, huh. diversity equity, inclusion work. Right, it wasn't like a formal <laughs> kind <laughs> of title for me. Yes, it was more so of really the the what does my work what is my work about mm. um who do i want to re- represent who do i want to make sure is have access to opportunities right and you know i've been i have had to fire a client for being racist mm. <laughs> and all that work and uh, seeing folks around me pushing back on these things or not being aligned with what I do. Yeah. Um, it was just like, for me, I was like, what? This is common sense, though. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you see that this makes right. no sense? It's yes. Just, it, this is, I, I don't know. This is common sense. Like... <laughs> Um, so getting into the formal formal DEI work focused on the learning and training yeah, and, and like seeing it now, right? Before it's been within compliance. They've been just compliant with the policies and very reactive to what, co- what comes out. Yeah. Uh, from the government. Uh, okay, we have to comply in this. But now the people are speaking. Yes. The marginalized folks are speaking yes. up and saying, well, we need more than compliance. Yes. Because our lives are on the line. It's been on the line. <laughs> it's been on the line. But I, I, you know, I think a lot of the work of, of, of self-worth, self-love <laughs> in the past years yes. have been really, you know, landing hmm. to a lot of us. Um, and in doing that, even though it came, you know, it's popularized, it came from, um, a a white centric lens. Mm. (laughs) That's still the message that we're like hearing. We're, and we're listening. And we're listening. 
we are basically creating, recreating that in our lives and making sure that that love serves us too. Hmm. So the, the, the marginalized groups are now saying, we have got to really dismantle this. We have got to really shift it mm. in a different way. Yeah. We're tired. We're sick of it. You know? So I think I think that's really where I feel like the 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 wave that the wave is a tsunami today. Mm. <laughs> it's it's no longer like those mini small waves, um, you know, that you see by the shore. Yeah, it's a tsunami because as a collective, yes, we are doing it. Yes, and I can, you know, it's challenging. It's hard. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of things that this work, um have um but i say where we are where we need to be hmm. and i can only be so optimistic this is true interesting where you we can be it, it, i'm sorry i'm saying interesting you should say that because i was going to say that is really optimistic <laughs> because, <laughs> because um i think the the easier the easier um, a resolve would be to be like, it is what it is. I mean, we're just gonna, this is how it is now. That's how, that's what we're doing. But I guess it's comforting to know that there, there are many voices that are now speaking. This, all these marginalized voices, there are many voices that are speaking. And now, after all these years of speaking, finally it feels like people are listening or finally it feels like organizations are, are listening and maybe they're ready to put in the work we don't know uh but they've shown that they're now listening all these years i can't i think it's it's been easier to say that you know they're ignoring it they can't hear it it's a few cases here it's a few cases there but like you're saying now it's a whole big tide it's a whole big tsunami so lots of people lots of big lots of voices involved in the conversation so maybe that that is encouraging that is encouraging even though it feels like nothing is changing as quickly it is encouraging to know that lots more voices are part of the conversation now yeah absolutely um and that's the thing too with it when it comes to listening as a society we have we haven't been trained to listen better and to listen in a deeper level hmm so <laughs> that's why it feels like no one is listening or mm. it's like the listening is very surface level yeah we don't have the tools you know we had we don't have the tools to do it we were trained as a child to do it <laughs> right mm. we were trained as a society to do it we we just don't have the the skill the tools the competence to to fully listen Hmm. But we're pushing it, right? And we're making sure that we're elevating that skill. Yeah. So hmm. it's work. And that's okay. <laughs> it's true. 
And I think it's also unlearning because I think some people were taught how to listen and they were taught who to ignore and who to listen to. So part of that too, for them to unlearn and be, and realize that for a long time, we haven't been listening to this small marginalized voices and for them to be unlearning it now and then knowing, oh, wow, these voices are big and they're loud and they're here to stay. So maybe it's time we start listening. I love how you said that. Mm. We have been taught to listen to the dominant group instead of the non-dominant group. Mm. And that's the bias around that, the unconscious bias. That's so true. Yeah. On point. When we spoke earlier, um, you had mentioned integrating our intellectual and emotional intelligence in doing the work that is required in inclusion and in inclusion and in diversity um and I'm, I'm and i'm curious about um one of the big things that has come out this year is is empathy and maybe you could just elaborate a little bit on what you meant by combining those two things because that's that's what came out for me i thought immediately empathy empathy is you're understanding the problem, you're seeing the situation, you're also understanding why this is a hurtful situation. You're not just wearing my shoes, you're wearing my shoes, but you can see why it's a pain to walk in my shoes. Intellectually, it makes sense more than it just does emotionally. Um, Please elaborate on that sentiment and why you think it's important to be framing this in conversation. Um, Yeah. yeah. So... It's funny how people talk about empathy. It's like you just have to be empathetic, hmm. you know, or empathic. Um, but I think it's irresponsible to just throw that statement out okay. without thinking that our society do not, let me just say, have not deemed emotion to be necessary, essential, and important. We have shut. We we have kept on on pushing the conversation that emotions are for weak people, that emotions don't allow you to be logical, yes. quote unquote, right or rational. Yes. So the culture that we have around emotion is really none. <laughs> the, the stigma around it is basically. Don't have that. Right. We don't have it. We we don't have the tools, right? When we see someone crying, I told you, I said earlier, it's like I, growing up, I was silenced. I I knew that I was a very emotional person. Yeah. But my my parents and my family didn't know how to support that. Yeah. Part of who I am. So I, too contributed to that same behavior hmm. because that, that's what I was taught yes. to do. Yes. The thing about empathy is you cannot be on someone else's shoes if you haven't been on your own shoes. <laughs> this is true. So you can't ask someone to hold your pain if they have not been able to hold their own pain. They don't have the tools. That's why I'm saying it's irresponsible to just throw that statement out without framing it. It's like, how can you hold yourself 
in your challenges, in your struggles, in your pain? How you how can you be responsible around that? How can you manage that? How can you love yourself through it? Hmm. So you're able to fully be in your own shoes that way you know uh you have the tools to hold someone else's pain that's how you can fully be in someone else's shoes yeah and understand the process of their struggles even if you you won't be and let me just say it we will not be able to fully understand other people someone else's situation correct but we know the emotions entail we know what it felt like for us and now we can say we can show compassion we can show love we can show support we can be that because that's what we needed and that's what we gave to ourselves yes so that's the tea on empathy. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, what you're re- what you're saying is we can't show empathy because we've not learned how to be empathetic to ourselves, so we can't be empathetic to others. Mhm. Hmm. Mhm. And even self kindness, you know, self compassion. Mm-hmm. We're still learning those things as well for ourselves. Yeah. We haven't talked to ourselves kindly. When was the last time <laughs> you heard yourself in that negative self-talk breath? <laughs> right? Yes. In like situations, it would just come up. And then we continuously entertain the thought mm. instead of shifting it. Mm-hmm. And that's not compa- That's not being compassionate and being kind to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So how can we be kind to others? Hmm. The self is, we cannot separate the self in the conversation of the whole. I want to throw another thing into this conversation. What we see most commonly is that some people, um, and this is mostly, I guess, within groups. Within groups, people within the same group might be able to identify with pain within that group. Of like of someone within that group, as opposed to an outsider being able to feel feel that, and and that makes a lot of sense because I guess the experiences are different. But when we have seen um, situations over and over of people being oppressed, and we hear the voices of the oppressed, why is it so hard for um, other people to hear the oppression or to see the oppression? How is it that? something as blatant as as, ra- uh, as as hate, as murder, people find difficult to see. It's because we have desensitized ourselves from pain. Hmm. We've desensitized from it. It's, 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 we, have, we have created systems around us to not feel. We have created behavior. Yeah to push that out, to detach, mm. to, you know, to really separate from the emotions. Yeah. So when we see something like that, and so when we're, uh, when we see something like that, we're not connected to the emotion. Yeah. So huh. the oppression feels so distant because it's not associated to any emotion anymore. Yeah. And that's the reason why, you know, the work that we do at our company is really like 
aligning the mind and the body. Yeah. Because you have to feel it in your body and allow it. And yes, it will be challenging. Yes, it will be hard. Uncomfortable. And uncomfortable. Yeah. You might feel like you want to throw up or just burst out into tears. And that is okay because now you feel yourself again. You're alive. You're human again. One of the things that you mentioned was how we talk to ourselves. And I guess learning about kindness and self-love and self-care even. Self-care has been a big word this past year. Um, but resilience and resistance is also about rest and the permission to rest. You know, to feel rest, to feel love. But this oftentimes feels like a privilege. Either a privilege of finances or a privilege of time to be able to take time away from your day or your working hours or your two jobs or your family to um, to take time to rest. And one of the things that I've been really thinking about um, in a big sense is, um, and I think there was an article that came out about this some time ago that now I cannot remember where it was from, but it was talking about how during this time at least how organizations have talked a lot about wellness and you know allowing their employees wellness and what that looks like this past year of the pandemic this past year of just lots of race um racial injustices lots of social injustices lots of civil unrest um it's put the burden of 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 rest and wellness on the individual and I agree some of that has to be a personal one. But then I often think about what's the role or what what what's the role organizations and institutions have um, to protecting that, to protecting my wellness in the job. That's something that also you should be protecting as you're protecting, as you're protecting my in- insecurity within this job. How is this, um, how are you creating space for my wellness and rest within within this job you know we've learned quickly even through covid that then it's it's easy if we say that it's an individual responsibility for rest and wellness it's easy for a lot of people to fall out of all a lot of those that circle and for a very few number to be comfortable if you even think across the world the number of people and the um the percentage that has been able to successfully work from home in conducive conditions has not been very big and has been a very we've we, we realized that's a privilege to have been able to have done that um, and to be able to take time and to be able to have help and to be able to rest or take a power nap or take a bike ride or just rest or turn on the tv and, and not care what the news are and I think now my question is becoming bigger than it should be but I guess in your work as well what's missing or what do you think organizations and institutions need to do to kind of help that to ensure structural the existence of structural of ways of well to ensure wellness to ensure that's available to ensure rest is an option to ensure rest is not something that employees need to seek really really hard to do as pay time off but to think about structural ways that um institutions and organizations are creating that space that's a big question i don't know how if you've thought about this <laughs> um let me answer the first part of it and make sure that i address it because it's so important yeah 
you know, talking about peace earlier being part of the resistance, I think this is also part of it. Hmm. When we consider, you know, you said permission to rest and feel love. Yeah. Rest and to feel love, those are needs. Hmm. Those are human needs. Those are our needs as a human being, especially for the marginalized and also us margin in the marginalized communities. Yes. If we think about it as a privilege, we have only given them the power to mm. tell us what needs we must attend to. Yeah. And that is a no. <laughs> <laughs> Let us prioritize yeah. rest and love within how we live our lives. Can we do that? We can create structures around this. It, it ha- even it doesn't have to be a bit as big as let's go to this European vacation, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. We can create small steps in which we can feel that rest. We can have that rest. We yes. can feel love. Yes. And incorporating it in our daily lives. So I really, oh, it pains me to hear that it, our needs feel like privilege. Right. Let's please continue the work of resisting (laughs) and really saying no 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 right i need this i do and because i need this i'm gonna give it to myself and create structure around it to integrate it in my daily life yes and the second part of it is the structural i think as a as a you know, as a system for organizations. Yes. When we center well-being instead of the bottom line, (laughs) (laughs) we are able to really create the systems in place that allow folks to... to show up. Yeah. Their full well self, well being, the wellness of who we are. Yes. Right? We're able to fully show up as that. So the the systems in place, like for example, Japan actually is pushing for a a four day work week now. Mm, I saw. Because of the impact of the the overwork, the burnout. I'm not sure if you've seen an episode of Queer Eye or the the, the Japan version of Queer Eye, Tokyo version of Queer Eye. Okay. And you can experience their culture and it's so distant from each other. Hmm. What's missing for me is the connection, the love. And you will see it. You will see it in the culture. Hmm. There is, it, 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 it didn't feel warm. And they've seen the impact and the effects. Suicide is high. Mental, mental health. Yeah. Or, or mental illness is high. A lot of these things, people are burned out. People are not, or, or families are not um, um, are creating offsprings. Yeah. You know? And they're seeing that the long-term effect of this is going to be devastating. Yeah. Because it could wipe out 
the 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 whole you know the, the, the whole race or the whole the whole country yeah the whole people so now it's forced they it forced them to really look in ways in which they can make sure that the well-being of the other person is centered yeah so through like the four day four day work week hmm. um that's centering well-being it is right when organizations center well-being they're literally creating you know they're, they're they, they per, put um benefits that allow um employees access to mental health counseling mm. um or professional and personal development i even heard shonda shonda's shonda rhymes yes um shonda rhymes company actually offer life coaching to their employees wow not leadership coaching not professional development life coaching yes because that center in well-being <laughs> you know because life coaching is really how, how how do i um how do i now look into the holistic of it mm. right because it's personal the health the the emotional all aspects of your life and the purpose around it so if shonda rhymes feel like it's that's important for her employees to actually have why should we see that as a whole in corporate too. Right. right and offer that you know and there's like meditation um so when we really center the well-being and have that as a focus in the lens in which we operate from yeah we create systems that attend to the wellness of the human being it's interesting as you say it it feels like duh you know it almost I think many spaces will feel like um, centering well-being it means that you're not centering productivity. They are actually mutually exclusive events. Both can exist organizations. You can care for your individual, for your employees' wellness, and you can also care for your business mm-hmm. and your productivity. And those two things are not mutually exclusive. In fact, they're so connected because it's the it's the wellness and the and the well-being. Uh, um someone uh, operating with a good on good mental health on good arrest is the person who will be able to be most productive and have i guess a, a good day and be doing good business i don't know why we think mm-hmm. that they're so separate from one another when they're yeah. not <laughs> they're really not exactly it's the where is the goal? <laughs> where is the goal? Yes. Where is yeah? Where is the goal centered? It's so centered in you know, um, and we always do that. We always you know focusing on the how instead of the human being. Yes. Instead of fo- focusing on the how instead of the who, mm. focusing on the intelligence, the IQ instead of the emotions. Yeah. When these are inherent for us, inherent. Yeah. Right. They, 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 this is basically like our level of nature. <laughs> we came out of womb, the womb of our mothers. Yes. Having all these needs. <laughs> <laughs> but we just, we, as a culture and as a society, we just didn't think to do that because yeah. it's all about 
the money, yeah. productivity, and making things so much easier, more comfortable, and all that stuff. And mm. and we're surprised that we're in this <laughs> in this hole. I mean, Shock! What? How did we get here? Oh, oh my no. God! What happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? happened i didn't know it's like no honey you yeah. didn't just wake up one day yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. like oh you know, my employees behavior mm. to be like oh my employees are experiencing burnout what how how did this happen exactly <laughs> you know how it happened you know how it happened and so. and, and again <laughs> we keep it's the same thing we keep on searching for the how in this conversation in the dei conversation which yeah. just makes me like oh my god you're missing the point you're missing the point you're missing the point <laughs> and you know i've talked to some prospect um prospect clients that do not want to actually do the work that we're doing they do not which for me was no because it's deep it's deep. We, we go through it's uh, trauma informed hmm. and I get it and I know that those are going to be some conversations that I'll have yes. because we want to be on surface surface level but yeah. I'm committed to doing the work in a deeper level Yeah. so what comes out of it is not just the um, it's not just like the ways and how we can be but it's who we are hmm and that's transferable in our personal lives and in and, and every context and in every way. Yeah. Um, so. And I think, I think a lot of that also goes back to the conversation of performative acts, just wanting to be, you know, mm-hmm. surface, not wanting to do the, dip- you don't want a surgery, you want just, just give me a bandaid, just give me, just, mm-hmm. just cover it. Let's leave the inside, festa, and yeah. the gross, but yeah. bandaid. Mm. <laughs> Uh, um, before we uh, wrap up I wanted to make sure I give you the chance to share with our listeners um, because when we had spoken earlier you mentioned that you do have another platform where you kind of also have conversations with this and connecting with Mm. other people so tell other people how they can catch you and connect and expand on this conversation or some of the other things that you host on your platform yeah um, definitely, if your organization is interested in doing like the deeper work of DEI and not just focus on the knowledge approach, feel free to check our website, www.consciousby.com. Um, and we, we are actually expanding the services that we're offering, which I'm so excited about. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for that launch. Good. But um, and facilitating facilitating the the, the the conversation of resistance, but it's also but it's 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 focus on liberation. Hmm. Um, so we do this liberate hashtag liberation conversations on Clubhouse. Okay. So follow Conscious Thrive Clubhouse to get the updates on the the topics that we're going to cover um and you know the i really wanted conscious side is about freedom and liberation really because yes. you know having the courage to step out of the mind and, and and creating impact on your own terms that's really you feeling and being liberated from 
the ways in which the society have taught you to be. Yes. But you say, no, this is what I want and this is what I'm going to do. Mm. But um, I really want to explore this further and deeper in different contexts and in different, um, uh, you know, in different groups and communities. So recently for June, we've done the, the, um, it's focused on within LGBTQ. We have, we had like self-liberation through um, trans and non-binary experience. Uh It was amazing. Um, But we're continuing this conversation and want to tap into like health equity for black women. Um, What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Gender um, and gender equity as a whole. Even relationships, mm. you know, like the polyamory and the monogamy conversation. Yes. It's like, huh, this is so interesting. I really want to learn more about this. Yes. And and, and hear people's stories and people people's um, conversation around it. Mm-hmm. It's a way for us to learn, a way for us to unpack, have the tools that we need to also do the work of liberating ourselves. Yeah. And doing things on our own terms so whoosh whoosh doing things on our own terms liberating ourselves these are just things that sound so empowering it feels like i need a syllabus or a curriculum or like a, a book <laughs> or an encyclopedia to help me figure out how to get to those places um so it's seriously <laughs> that's really what it is it's like the curriculum or the playbook yeah of <laughs> here's the playbook how to do the work Here's how to do the work, Um, the hard work of liberating yourself. Come. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, please join us. And uh, what else? Follow me on LinkedIn because I'm very active on LinkedIn as well. Okay. Um, And Instagram, and that's basically it. Okay. Okay. Please join us if you're interested in expanding this conversation and learning more about doing the hard work of liberation and knowing yourself, um, which... It's important to how we relate to other people. If you've been listening, it's important how we relate to others. It's important how we feel empathy and we experience um, how we share that with other people as well. Christine, thank you for sharing your insight and for lending your voice in our conversation. We really appreciate you being here on our podcast today. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much, Parisian and... um and Nami for hosting this conversation. I think it's so important and needed in our time. Um, And, you know, we're all in this together. (laughs) Together is the only way forward. (laughs) However you want to frame that statement. (laughs) But the the tsunami is only possible for us as as a collective. Yeah. To resist. We all speak loud enough. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for listening, everybody. See you on our next episode. Bye-bye. Visit NAMI Minnesota online at namimn.org. All music loops used in this episode came from the song titled The Way, produced by Mike Lighty and made available through a Creative Commons license. Mike Lighty's music can be heard online at soundcloud.com forward slash Mike Lighty. Lighty is spelled L-E-I-T-E. For information about the Creative Commons license and additional links to Mike's music, including the full version of the song, The Way, please see the podcast show notes for this episode.